Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reeves, and today we have Jimmy Barada. He came on the show a few months ago to talk about the North American Collegiate League, or the NACL, a new nonprofit offering tournaments in various esports with scholarship prizes for winning students. But he also does a ton more, and I promise to have him back on the show a few months later. Jimmy is one of the quintessential glue guys in the esports industry. All around the industry, you'll hear his name pop up. Last Monday, we had Martin Rickman from Uprox on the show to talk about Uprox Edge, and Jimmy's tied to that company as he served as director of talent for Vi Esports, Uprox partner in an Uprox Edge event a few months ago. And two Mondays ago, Exet co-founder and famous DJ Clinton Sparks shouted him out on that episode. He's worked with Mark Cuban's Three Commas clothing line, David Meltzer, a leader in sports marketing, and more. Starting as a civil litigation lawyer in California, Jimmy left law to form an esports consultancy business, FT Empire, in 2017. At FT Empire, he built Icebreakers Clan, a social media network of gaming pages with over 2 million followers combined. If you thought I was done, I'm not. He's the head of user acquisition for software developer Wizard Labs. He's VP of special events for XR Sports. He does business development for Exit and... Most importantly, probably, he's an advisor for Esports Network. This fall, he accepted a role as a professor of esports at UC Irvine, arguably the leading program in college esports in North America. Jimmy, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mitch. I'm really happy to be here. Appreciate you having me on again. Well, I had to bring you back to talk about all the different things you do. And so my first question for you is, do you, do you sleep at all? <laughs> uh, you know... Um... It's a fair question, I think. I, I definitely try and get those REM cycles in, but I would be lying if I said every morning I wake up to about 50 uh, missed Discord messages, Slack, emails, and, uh, and, and actually some late night calls as well. It, it's, but, you know, uh, being busy is, is certainly a blessing, and I'd rather, I'd rather have it that way than any other. I can agree with that. That's an interesting point. You know, I, I was talking with some of my friends and getting them all onto Discord because we could play Among Us, the people who are not gamers, <laughs> clearly. Uh, and I, it reminded me just how common Discord is for me to use, but so forward for so many other people. And I'm curious, which platform do you think you do the most business on? Email, phone text, or Discord? Oh, it's Discord without a doubt. I think if you're in the gaming industry, it's just an essential product. Uh, when I started FT Empire and when we started Icebreakers Clan, the first thing we did was create a Discord server. And actually, our CTO was so adamant about using it, and there was so much pushback from me and, and, and my other partners. And it's just so funny that I probably do literally anything else on my phone today. I, I, I'm on it all the time, and it's crazy how quickly some of my friends who weren't using it, even though they played their... They're sure they were they were using like Xbox parties to to do their Warzone matches, and now everyone's using uh, Discord. They're talking about fantasy football trades in Discord, and it literally in two three weeks became the most common platform for my friend group to use. And the Instagram group chats, the Snapchat group chats, all seem to fall away a little bit in, in favor of Discord. <laughs> well, well, I hope you get a sponsorship from them after this episode. <laughs> they're they're definitely a great program. Platform. I sure hope so. Yeah, Discord. Oh. Where where are you guys at? Let's <laughs> let's get a little bit of love. I, I would even record these shows on Discord if you if if you wanted me to. <laughs> 
Uh, so on this show, we're going to talk about a lot of Jimmy's background, all the different things he's involved with, but also focus a lot on this esports class at UCI. You know, we launched a college esports podcast, and I'll be publishing this episode on that feed in the future. Uh, and UCI is one of the absolute leaders, one of the first varsity programs in North America, uh, offering a ton of scholarships, having very a lot of success in competitive teams, and clearly focusing on the academic side as well. Jimmy, as you entered this class, what are you hoping to focus on with your esports class? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for starting off on on UCI. I'm obviously very excited to be a part of such a prestigious university. And actually, I'm from Orange County, so UCI is right here in my own home, you know, backyard. And uh, it was just really wonderful that things worked out that way. So, anyways, as as the semester starts, I am actually going to be teaching the overview of esports. So. I imagine there will be a lot of general questions, background information about the industry, and just really broad brushstrokes on the journey and history of esports, vantage points from developers, athletes, fans, sponsors, media, etc. Definitely. Because it's UCI, do you approach it assuming your students have a higher baseline of knowledge than maybe a, an esports class in a university that isn't so well known for its esports program? Uh, you know, I wouldn't ever discredit other universities by suggesting or, or assuming that they're less sophisticated. But to your to your point, the UCI program certainly has that prestige and that that what do you call it? The fan base, the the history. You know, people know UCI. They know the UCI esports program. It's it's one of the first in the space to offer these these classes, these opportunities to gamers who can level up their careers, not just their gaming in the industry. So I certainly am excited to be part of, of an organization that has that history, that laid that foundation, that is just so well known and accomplished already. You know, it makes it, I think, it makes the job a lot easier when your client already has the history. I, I, I've been a part of a lot of startups and I've uh, worked on a lot of projects where we're trying to create this novel idea and this new concept. So this is actually one of the first times I'm joining someone that or, or somewhere that has all that established and they just really need me to add anecdotes with my own personal experiences and you know be that conduit for students that know what the industry is know what they want to do or where they want to go and are looking for uh, a mentor absolutely that's uh, that's a big part of it too and having those experiences with people in the esports industry especially people with the wide variety of roles that you have i think is pretty much a valuable for a student it's been one of the hardest things about launching academic programs at esports is the lack of qualified professors where it's like okay esports has not really been around that long uh, how do you make sure that the professors are understand esports to the degree that they should be teaching students and i think you're definitely an example of somebody who's been in this space who's worked with some of the biggest companies and understands the space and is ready to then deliver those lessons to, to students who want to learn them yeah, you know, to, to UCI's credit, they really do a great job having a wide variety of advisors and professors and persons on staff or people that come in for TED Talk type events and, and mixed panel Q&As. And, you know, I, that's actually how I got interested in the program in the first place. I, I went to one. I wanted to learn. I wanted to network. And actually, if it, would, if it wasn't for a few projects that fell in my lap, a few offers and things that went right about three years ago for me, I was uh, signed up and ready to take these courses and, and earn these uh, advanced degrees and certificates and whatever you call it. So 
I, I don't know if I've actually shared that with you, but yeah, I was I was actually signed up and enrolled and ready to go for the UCI uh, program. Uh, I had gone to a on-campus Q and A panel with you know, some Twitch uh, immortals, Hitmarker, and, and other executives. I was learning, networking. I thought this is so great. I can't wait. And about a month later, after I enrolled, I just had couple offers on my plate and I just thought, geez, I don't have time to actually take this. I really wanted to. And you know, fast forward three three years later, so I'm gonna be teaching. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like it came full circle, so to speak. Uh the best way to learn is by doing, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that proves it, I, I guess. You you take the classes and then you want to learn about it, uh, but then you get thrown into boardrooms in companies like FaZe Clan and in all these other leaders in the esports space. And you get that education real quick. With that being said, I really wish that there were people like you when I was still in university. I would have loved to take an esports class. Was not offered at the University of Oregon. Was not even uh, close to being offered anywhere at that school when I was there. And that was only in 2017. And so I'm curious for the students of your class, if they all come out with just one new thing, one new lesson that they learned, what do you want that one takeaway to be? That's a great question. I wish you asked me that before we started recording so I could better prepare. <laughs> um, put you I, on the spot, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think the most important thing you can learn, and not just in esports, but in anything in today, is, is kind of what you said earlier about my own history and the learning by doing. You know, today... So much information is at your fingertips, right? You have a phone, a portable PC, as I like to call them. You have just access to all this information. The only thing that's stopping you from succeeding is really doing the work and hustling. You know, there's no shortcuts. There's no secret. It's constant effort. It's it's strategy and doing. And so I think any any student in my class that wants to get in this industry, you know, if they're if they're gonna if they're going to look at the class as an opportunity to network and look at it as an opportunity to change their way of thinking and their perspective, that, that's what I would hope they would get out of it is, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not learning a specific skill set. You're not learning a specific tract on all of these, you know, do this job, do that project, and you'll get, you know, this title. You're learning how to think about the industry, what, what content is valuable, what ways of thinking, how to give advice from a unique perspective. It's, it's kind of consistent with my legal background, I guess, because that's, that's how we were taught in those classrooms as well. You know, Socratic method, having a lot of questions asked to a lot of people from different walks of life, comparing their responses and the reasoning behind those responses. And I think when you apply that to esports, you have a really engaging conversation about an emerging industry that's still being built. The most impactful classes were always the ones that was less focused on, hey, how do I get an A in this class? And more focused on, you know, what lessons can you take out, like holistic lessons about work study, about how uh, just to work, how to be in a workplace, how to network, how to uh, position yourself for success. That Those were always the lessons, especially three years out of school. I don't remember a lot of the classes where I learned about rocks to get a B plus. I remember the little classes where I was actually taught how an industry works and the focus was on, hey, this is key for your future career development. It's not going to probably appear on the test that we have at the end of the semester, but these are the lessons that stick with kids. And so I, I love that professors are going into it with that mindset because I think that's going to uh, 
have the most impact on the students of the classes for sure. I certainly hope so. You know, I was actually, when I first was negotiating with UCI about this position, uh, we were looking at the eSports operations class. So so for all those listeners that are less familiar with this program, uh, UCI offers about 12 units of eSports specific classwork. Uh, overview of eSports, communication, project management, live events, and operations. So we, we were discussing an operations role for me to, to teach about, you know, the inner workings of startups, of, of competitive teams, of leagues, et cetera. And as we progress in the negotiations and in the discussion, I should say, Stephane Muller, the, the academic director, and Chris Cassis, the program coordinator, offered me the overview course. They said, you know, your, your background, your experience is really, we think it would be really good in, in our introductory overview course, as you have an access to more, more minds, more people. It's the very first course that you have to take for the program. So everything gets filtered through that, and then those students can choose operations after, choose live events after. And for me, like I said, you know, with shaping a way of thinking and a way of approaching the problem, as opposed to learning how to do a specific task, that, that definitely was a, a closer fit. So I was really grateful for the opportunity to pivot from you know, what initially was the focus to what we all agreed was probably a better application of, of content and applying capabilities and Definitely. Yeah. There, so it, this is going to be almost a, a more of an introductory class where then students will end up on different offshoots of what they find interesting about esports. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like esports 101, right? It's, it's if you want to learn about the industry, what's going on and where you might fit in. This is step one. Come learn, get acquainted, get familiar, as Clinton would say. I got to give him a shout out back <laughs> and uh, and, you know, take it from there. The, the other courses, I think, are a little bit more tailored and more specified. And obviously, you know, I've done live events. I've, I've worked in operations and communication, I think, is uh, is a given for anybody, I think, that, that, that's been in work for a, a long period of time that knows how to speak, draft reports, communicate with clients, et cetera. But the overview for me was, was really exciting because you, you get these fresh young minds that are hungry to be in the industry, that are interested. And I just couldn't think of a better opportunity give back to the community than in that first step with people that are interested in learning. For sure. There's a new wave of people coming into the esports industry who have gone through these college programs, who have been interested in esports to a large degree since they were 13, 14 years old. You know, even I'm I'm only 25, but even esports in uh, totally existed in 2010, 2011, but it wasn't mainstream. It wasn't on everybody's radar. And the way that esports has developed over the last five or so years has allowed so many more college programs and so many people to see this as an industry that they want to go in and work towards it for a long time. I was studying sports for a long time. I just was a gamer on the side. And then esports broke out and I was like, oh, I could be, I want to be a sports writer. Well, I could be an esports writer. That's a thing. There are publications that have this. Uh, and I did that. So I'm really excited for this new crop of students who have been focused on this space for such a long time. I think they're going to come in and they're going to create a ton of new advancements across the esports industry. You know, it's hard not to be envious of their position because uh, this new crop, as you, as you call them, accurately so, have access to a lot of what people like you and myself and, and obviously our betters and our elders that have built for us. And is also like you were saying about Oregon, you know, when you were there just a few years ago, how they didn't offer certain courses like this. And five years from now, I think it'll be hard to find a university that doesn't, right? All, all these top academic 
institutions are not only learning, especially in this COVID world, not only learning ways of retaining and increasing their 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 users, their students, as you call them, uh, but they're also trying to figure out what interests them and provide that to them. Right? We're in a, a data revolution. That's what data is all about. Is what what are what are these users? What are these students? What are these people want and do and need? And, and how do we fulfill that? So you know, when I was at USC and, and Loyola Law, I was Again, you know, similar to you, I, I was taking a lot of sports business classes, entertainment business, entertainment law. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be in that industry, gaming on the side as well. And then when when esports took off, it was just the right opportunity. It was the right fit of passions and overlap. And I did want to share, actually, you know, with Icebreakers Clan when we started that a few years ago, it was all about just putting our content online, gaming with friends. And then a lot of these gamers were younger, and it was an opportunity to mentor them and kind of show them this is what I did, or this is how I go about things. Hey, did you know that there's a high school league that you can participate in? Did you know there's a collegiate league you can participate in? And knowledge, I think a dissemination of knowledge was really the the focal point around Icebreaker's plan. And then as it grew and, and, and our following increased and partnered or created or acquired other brands and other gaming niches, uh, then we mobilized it into you know more of a business but it definitely started as a mentorship vehicle. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy that UCI is allowing me to return to those roots. Also, uh, somewhat consistent with NACL, or pretty, pretty entirely consistent, I would say, with the NACL, which you know, you know too well about having Dave Chen, Faze, and I on the show a couple. How long ago was that? A couple months. Yeah, that was only that was only a couple months ago, and I'll be sure to link it down below the show. In fact, you can actually click on Jimmy's guest page, and that episode should pop up. Uh, and that was entirely focused on the NACL, published on both the college page and our main page. Uh, and it, I think that's a really good listen, too, for people who are really interested in seeing the collegiate organizer and how uh, NACL is different from all the other organizers in college esports, your uh, CSLs, your NACES, all the other ones. And, you know, what Jimmy and Dave, uh, the other Dave's the co-founder, board chairman. What's his title? I don't have in front of me. So Dave, Dave and I co-founded the NACL, but he's certainly the head guy in charge. He has done an amazing job running, running our nonprofit and, you know, acquiring some high level partners and, and donors and colleges that participate and really running the show over there. I just uh, very fortunate to have him as, as somewhat of a big brother mentor type figure. We actually uh, and I think we, we shared on that show, Dave and I met through uh, our dealings with Phase Clan. He's also an investor over there at Phase. So. That's actually how I met Clinton as well. Actually, that was all in the same, the same series of meetings. A lot of uh, important people in those Phase Clan boardrooms over the last four or five years, for sure. I wanted to ask too. Now that you mentioned Phase, and you know we've talked a lot about UCI, but I want to ask about some of the other things you've done in the esports industry. You've worked with Phase Clan, and now with Xset, an organization founded by three former Phase Clan executives, and one other one marco really i wish he'd spent like four months at phase clan so i could have just said four phase clan executives <laughs> but marco Moreau, there the fourth founder did not come from phase clan so every time it's like three phase clan executives and then also i, I gotta shout out marco Moreau who, who did not come so <laughs> that's that's every single time with x set uh but those are two organizations blending the aspects of competitive teams and influencer marketing and we've seen just the rise of the gaming influencer and these becoming some of the biggest influencers 
out there. You know, you've got your TikTok influencers. Traditionally, your influencers were generally on Instagram. And now gaming influencers through YouTube, through Twitch are commanding audiences that are up there with some of the biggest influencers, some of the biggest celebrities in the world. Do we see, are we going to see most esports organizations trending in the direction of we are going to have a large roster of influencer creators? We're also going to have competitive teams, but a larger and larger focus of our organization is going to be on bringing in these gaming influencers, giving them the tools they can succeed, that, that they need to succeed, and you know, creating awesome content with them. You know, that's a really great question. I think I think there's no one answer to that. And I'd like to actually unpack that just a little bit. What what you see Exet doing really successfully and some other organizations as well is certainly finding crossover talent and people of influence that really help make esports mainstream or keep it in the public eye for those casual viewers and casual listeners that are perhaps lesser interested but but still have an eye on the space. Uh, a lot of the traditional esports organizations, some of the ones that have that have really built it from the ground up, that that fell into it or that fielded competitive teams and, and the biggest titles and are expanding. You know, everyone's basically developing their own identities in the space. Whether you're a top org or a or just an individual streamer that's not signed to to, you know, to a bigger name, and I think that identity is really important determining what steps are taken and how that brand is monetized and how I think that brand then returns the investment for the VCs and these influencers that, you know, all these celebrities that are putting money into these top teams and, and other private individuals. So I, I again, it's, I think it's really brand specific, but it certainly is working for, for, for a lot of orgs that want to be more lifestyle brands and crossover brands associate with Sway Lee or Offset or, or Juju or, or whoever it is. So, you know, it, it's an interesting pathway. It, it certainly is appealing. It does get the clicks. I think we'll learn in the short term if the revenue supports it, if the, if, you know, whether or not they're spending money to, to acquire that personality or if that personality becomes an investor in the business, you know, how that, how that model works and how that is applied and, and what you return on it. That, that's something that's yet to be seen, but but certainly is a, a powerful force for generating, I think, a large viewership, a large following, and, and a lot of hype, obviously. The hype is so crucial. And that was a lot of what Clinton and Will talked about on that podcast uh, a little while ago, which was that, you know, bringing in the music industry, bringing in fashion brands to esports didn't just naturally happen. There was people who were doing this at each of the individual companies, creating these bridges, creating these partnerships. And that's shaped what we see as modern esports. You see brands like 100 Thieves being worn by NBA players. You see FaZe Clan. You see Xset now uh, bringing on Sway Lee as an investor. You see an organization like Guild Esports over in the UK bringing on David Beckham and paying him $20 million to be the face of their organization. And, uh, I find all the various strategies of different esports organizations incredibly fascinating because there's no one correct answer. It, it's all just, this is what we think works for us. This is what we want our brand to be. Uh, but we're just going to keep trying things. We're going to keep trying to bring cool people together. We're going to try and keep innovating. That was the word I was looking for earlier, was innovating. <laughs> uh, 
and that's uh, it's it's an awesome industry to be in because every esports org has their own idea of what that innovation looks like, and they're all doing it in their different ways. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think what you see also is again with these different identities, you also have companies and investors backing all of these orgs and leagues that are rooted in tech or rooted in entertainment and have successfully built large scale businesses from various perspectives and industries. So what I, what I can say about Xset, in my opinion, of those guys, you know, you have Greg Selko, who operated at the highest level in multiple crossover industries, and Clinton and Marco and Will you know, doing the exact same thing in different industries, in different capacities. But they have this experience and this knowledge where, for the first time ever, you have an esports organization built from the ground up with these high-level executives that have done it before that know exactly how to make it happen. And they're applying it to a, to a new vehicle, a new baby, and, and just watching it grow. I think it's going to be positioned to, to really take over the industry from a number of perspectives, uh, you know, viewership, accolades, championships, et cetera, just because, the t- you know, half of the time you bet on the product, half of the time you bet on the team, essentially you'd like to have success in both. And, and again, this is an organization that has, that it's being created from the ground up with that, with that success, with that experience, with that history going to be really fun to follow. Definitely. And it's kind of rare to see an organization be created in the year 2020 where it's a brand new, well, there's plenty of smaller ones, but to see one with a ton of power behind it, a ton of backers, uh, besides all the ones that popped up around the Activision Blizzard franchise leagues where you had a bunch of sports owners creating their own conglomerates and then maybe slowly expanding into some other teams, this X set and I think Guild Esports were the two main new esports organizations that came out of this past summer. And X set's done a ton of work, uh, being uh, taking a lot of the things that worked at FaZe Clan and then applying them to a brand new esports organization, uh, with new leadership. And I'm really excited to see what they do. Like we covered on the esports minute just last week, they brought on Sway Lee as an investor, uh, Clinton Sparks, the, the famous DJ who works with all those different artists definitely had a big role in that. Sway Lee was also an investor in Face Clan, and I can imagine that was also led by Clinton. You know, he's the commonality there between FaZe and Exet during the two timeframes. Uh, and so it's uh, it's really interesting seeing all the different people that are being involved with modern esports organizations and then the people clamoring to get more involved. You see people like Juju Smith-Schuster launching his own esports organization. Maybe that'll become a major one in time. But for now, Team Diverge... I haven't heard much, just that they they launched. So it, it'll be really interesting to see, are celebrities going to launch their own? Are they going to get tied to other brands? Uh, you know, and what makes the most sense for each of them and for their individual brands? There's definitely a lot of opportunity and a lot of interest that we're, we're certainly seeing over the past couple of years and, and certainly over the past couple of months. So, so I agree with you. You know, I would love to see the celebrities not only taking part of, of another org, but starting some new venture on their own and leveraging their brand in, in a creative way that's consistent with their own interests and their own passions and providing resources to uh, a generation or a group that might be underrepresented or under or, or not not so well served. Definitely. Want to switch gears just a little bit. I want to be conscious of your time here. You know, it's a Friday afternoon. I know you've had a very long week. Congratulations on your engagement, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Mitch. I appreciate it. Uh, See how I slid that one in there, 27 minutes? <laughs> very natural, very smooth. I was not expecting it, no. 
Well, yes, Jimmy got engaged this past Monday and he's had a whirlwind of a week. You know, when you work for seven different companies all at one time, that that tends to happen. Uh, So congrats to him. And I'm going to be conscious of his time and let him get off here. But I can't uh, pass up this chance to ask a true expert in the esports industry. One of my favorite questions, which is general trends. You know, we've talked a lot about how influencer marketing is pushing its way into esports and gaming. Uh, But I'm curious for one other trend that you think is on the horizon in esports and gaming worlds that's going to really play a big part in esports over the next three to five years that maybe isn't uh, in a key role right now. So that might be uh, health in different esports organizations. That might be something like VR and tech or mobile esports. Is there something that stands out to you that you think is uh, something that's going to happen in esports but hasn't really taken hold yet? Yeah. Yeah, let's save the last question for for the most dense thing to to talk about. <laughs> I think we could we could definitely have half an hour or so on this one topic, and that's just because there's so many exciting things, innovations, areas to explore in, in the industry that I really believe there's such a bright future for esports and so many verticals that are being considered and built. A couple of my favorite, just very broad broadly to talk about you know first you know the aoc stream for among us which now is what the all-time most viewed twitch twitch event other than the drake ninja fortnite event from two years ago uh that you know seeing i think that that was obviously a political tool but it was this crossover campaign uh with a very high level of interactivity and engagement from the followers from the from the viewers that participated in you know what's probably currently the most popular and most uh, accessible game right now and just seeing these one-off events like that where you bring in like we were talking about you know you bring in people of influence or you know even government officials and you bring them in to the esports realm to engage with the community and just have fun doing something that we all enjoy that that doesn't seem to ever not work uh <laughs> double negative i guess there but um you know that, that was that was really fun to see and that's something that we've seen work in the past and that's going to continue i know that the Fortnite uh concerts is something that other developers are certainly considering and something that epic i'm sure is is continuing to work out and, and find new versions and ways to bring that to, to their audience especially in covid where we don't know how many people you can fit into a stadium i think i read the super bowl is going to be 20 percent capacity this year so, um, you know, so doing these big live events, whether it's an online stream or, or a virtual event, certainly, certainly something to consider going forward, something that's going to continue. But um, to, to something that you brought up in that question, also mobile games, right? You know, all, all the data suggests and all the, all the statistics, all the studies that I've read suggest that mobile games are just going to continue to explode. You know, you or I might have grown up with a controller in our hands, but the next generation of gamer has more easily accessible to them a smart tablet or a phone and and when we're seeing it with cod mobile with PUBG mobile among us mobile uh you know it's it's something that i'm not sleeping on it's something that i know a lot of the companies that i work with and and ones that i've advised for previous or even just taking meetings with that i always bring up and i say you know if you're not focusing on the mobile space you're going to miss out on probably the largest part of your audience over the next uh, i wouldn't even say five years i'd say two years Absolutely, absolutely agree. It's remarkable seeing how few of the major esports organizations have a mobile team right now. And uh, you look at, you know, the trend leader in esports for 10 years in South Korea and in China, and they have mobile gaming 
everywhere. It's the biggest game in India, PUBG Mobile, until mm-hmm. the Indian government banned it. Uh, it's the biggest game in Brazil with Grain of Free Fire, and it's going to come for Europe and for North America sooner rather than later. So whichever esports organization starts betting big on mobile early is going to reap a lot of rewards. It definitely feels like an opportunity out there, but there's still a ways to go to have the esports infrastructure, at least uh, in NA for mobile esports. So it, definitely a, a trend worth watching. And uh, I appreciate you sharing your expertise on this one, Jimmy. It was a pleasure having you on the show. As always, I think you did a great job with that dense question, packaging it down into a couple trends uh, in a short period of time. So thank you for doing that. And I want to give you one more chance uh, to plug, you know, take your pick. What, what do you want to plug? Do you want to plug Exit? Do you want to plug FD Empire, Icebreakers? Uh, the, the mic is yours. Plug whatever you'd like. Well, well, thanks again for having me on the show. I always love listening and, and keeping my knowledge up to date through your interviews. So it's always a, a pleasure and a blessing to be on the on the other end of that spectrum. Um, I think right now my most exciting and my most fun project is actually Wizard Labs. Our CEO, Royce Tassini, founded Mob Crush. We're developing a really cool AI software for content creators and communities, uh, mobile focused, of course. And and uh, you know, keep your eyes on on. On that one, I'm, I'll send you some articles uh, as as that gets launched and, and things take off. But it's really exciting to see what the engineers are accomplishing, where I where AI is currently for for gamers and how that's being applied to the, the content creation. Another big trend, the push of AI into esports is something we've actually covered on this show uh, recently a little bit, but Wizard Labs is a great company for it. Jimmy's shown me some of the work they're doing, and uh, it's going to knock your socks off. It's some stuff that I've never seen anybody else doing before, and uh, using AI for content creation is super unique and, and something that is going to continue leveling up the different types of content that is possible in the esports and gaming world. So thank you all for listening to this podcast. I'll put a link to Wizard down underneath this show and also check out Jimmy's bio if you want to read about all the different things he's working on or check out that episode with uh, Dave and about the NACL, the North American Collegiate League, learning more about college esports. If you're a UC Irvine student, I know we have a few of you listening, uh, take Jimmy's class. Even if you are maybe already deeply involved in the esports program and don't want to take esports 101, I promise you'll leave it with some really great lessons uh, because Jimmy is your professor. So thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm the dreams. This was the esports network podcast with Reuters. I'll be back uh, next week with another episode.